So one of the things that I really respect about the industry is that the good, the great executives and the great leaders are understanding the value of that employee. And they're not taking that employee for granted. They're investing in them. They're caring about them. They're creating an environment for them to be successful personally and professionally. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Talent Playbook Podcast. My name is Jason Ferrara. I'm the Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at Outmatch and your host for the podcast. Our podcast focuses on strategies for transforming your world of work. So during each podcast, we highlight someone who's transformed their organization or industry in a significant way. Today's guest is Kathleen Wood. Kathleen is the founder and CEO of the frozen dessert company, Susie's Swirl, as well as the principal at her consulting firm, Kathleen Wood Partners. But she's actually much more than that. She's super high energy. She's worked with some of the most well-known restaurant brands, absolute household names. And in fact, in some cases, she is the person responsible for making that restaurant company a household name. She's a consultant, a speaker, and an all-around just fantastic person. Definitely listen for her views on the importance of culture and how to build culture. Also take notice of her belief in a company's mission as its driver of success. She does a really nice job of giving some specifics around culture and mission as well. And not to be missed is her advice for those starting their careers, which turns out is great advice for us all, regardless of our seniority. I'm sure you'll enjoy the conversation with Kathleen. So without further delay, here's the Talent Playbook Podcast with Kathleen Wood. Hey, Kathleen, thanks for joining the podcast today. Really excited to have you on. Well, thank you, Jason. I'm uh, excited to be a part of the podcast with you. Awesome. All right. So I think the first thing I'd like to do is, uh, I mean, I know you, but I don't think most of our listeners will know you. So why don't you just go ahead and give a quick description of, you know, your job, how long you've been doing that job, and uh, we'll sort of set the stage with that question. All right. That sounds great. You know, I think the word job is funny to me because I have always loved what I do. So I am that proverbial person that if you follow your passion, your paycheck will follow. Yeah. So for me, my I'm actually um, an entrepreneur by trade. I have two companies. The first one is a very cleverly named business called Kathleen Wood Partners, and it is my consulting practice based out of Chicago, Illinois. You paid a I lot. You paid a lot for that uh, branding, right? Yep. It was a lot of market research, Jason, a lot. I can't even tell you the number of focus groups that end up there. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen Wood Partners started uh, 20 years ago, really with an emphasis on working with founders, entrepreneurs, and executives in the areas of growth strategy, brand optimization, and leadership development. So for the last 20 years, I've had the opportunity to work with amazing, you know, founders, executives, and entrepreneurs who've all had, you know, their company in some form or fashion and wanted to take it from where it was to where they ultimately envisioned it being. So that's been a, a great journey in and of itself. And I think that when you've been a consultant for many years, you also get the bug yourself to go, you know what, I've built a lot of companies for others. Why don't I build one for myself and mm-hmm. for my family? So six years ago, my sister Sue and my niece Jen and I founded a company called Susie Swirl because we wanted to again prove that 
you know, in the frozen tundra of the frozen northern Illinois area with frozen people five months out of the year, that we could offer an craveable, delicious frozen dessert. And that's really what, you know, Susie's World does. It's, uh, we provide desserts in terms of yogurts, gelatos, sorbettos. We cater, we do events, we have a whole retail line. So I really, not only am a person that does consulting to help others grow their business, but I also work with my family every day to help us grow our business as well. Thank you. That's, um, I'm just the note. I'm I'm taking some notes as we, as we go here, and and I just wrote down work with family. So um, <laughs> this wasn't a prepared question in any way, but tell us a little bit about that, right? You go through this time as a as a consultant, want to start something on your own, and you choose to do it with your family. So talk a little bit about that, and like why with your family, why not somebody else, and and how that develop. You know, it's such a fascinating, it's a great question. It's a fascinating journey, right? Because I think when you've been a consultant working with so many other people for such a long time, you kind of find your own rhythm, right? And then, so you, so you know, okay, this is how we're going to grow. This is the strategies we're going to put in place. This is the leadership development we need to focus in on. So, you know, after a period of time, you, you get that rhythm going. And so for me, it didn't matter if I was doing restaurants, hospitality, healthcare, service industries. You know, I could toggle my way through all of those. But the interesting thing is when I started with my family, you know, I realized one very important lesson. And that is it doesn't matter about how much you know about your, you know, business. It's about really learning to work with your family. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was very fortunate that my sister, you know, I've lived my whole life for a great business partner. And here, unbeknownst to me and unbeknownst to her at the time, my sister ends up becoming my greatest business partner. And my niece, Jen, becomes a cornerstone for laying the foundation for Susie Soil's growth. So I think working with family has as many ups and downs as it does, um, you know, working with others, except for, you know, the lines get a little blurry with the holidays. Um, in conversations that can and cannot be had around the Thanksgiving table. Um, I was just shocked to see how many consultants we suddenly had in our family because I thought I was the only one for all those years and suddenly we have like everybody and then you know from six years old to 80 years old so yeah. that was kind of cool and uh, but you know the greatest gift for me is that um, I never realized how much I would actually how much I didn't realize about working with my family and how much I love working with my family and it truly ended up being a great gift on on such an unexpected level for me. So I'd love to get into that a little bit, um, a, a little bit more about the you know what it is you love about working with your family. But before before we do that, because I do want to, you know, I your your career is is very interesting to me. Um, it's a it's a great story. So I I'd love to have you just talk a little bit about how you got your start. You know where where did you start and and how did you get to the point where you know you're you're a legitimate consultant uh, to to the restaurant industry? You know, tell us a little bit about that journey. Absolutely. Well, you know, for me, it starts all the way back before child labor laws when I got my first job in the restaurant industry as a teenager and just realized magically that I love the restaurant industry. I love the pace of it. I love the unpredictability of it. I love the camaraderie, the teamwork of it. You know, getting just crushed on a Friday night and rally to bring it back, you know, to save the day. 
and all of the energy around the industry. So from a very early point in my life, I was in love with the restaurant industry and continue to be so today, even though I work in many other verticals of business. But it still has a, you know, a special place in my heart. And what I started to see as I was coming up through my career, you know, I got my degree from the University of Wisconsin Stout and Good Restaurant Management, you know, and I kind of continued to follow my career path, you know, in restaurant operations. And it was, it was all going great. And then one day I had the opportunity where somebody said, would you like to get out of operations and work for a, a new company? And I was like, sure, what's it called? And they're like, it's called uh, the Educational Foundation of the National Restaurant Association. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that, that's a mouthful. That would be fun. <laughs> and they're like, well, yes, and you're going to get the opportunity to go out there and sell food, uh, food sanitation. I'm like, well, that is, if that's not a dream job, I can't imagine what is. <laughs> but it really, uh, it really ended up being an amazing job because yeah. the education program ends up being Thursday. But, you know, obviously today is an industry, you know, standard for both business and consumers. But as I was going through my career, and, you know, while I was at the Ed Foundation, I received, a, you know, my master's in organizational development. And I really loved this idea of why people make the decisions they do. What are the strategies that they, you know, employ to achieve the results that they're looking to do? And I found this love through the Ed Foundation for Strategic Planning. And so I kind of continued to do that while I was there and continued to do that as I took on other corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. And then one day I had this amazing realization that as much as I love these amazing companies I was working with, TGI Fridays, MasterCard, truly amazing companies. I really did not enjoy climbing the corporate ladder. Um, what I really enjoyed was building ladders for businesses. Mm-hmm. So way before, you know, people were called hacks or gurus or whatever, you know, I decided that I was going to go off the corporate track and go on to the entrepreneurial track and start my own consulting practice and really helping these amazing leaders who had brilliant vision help them transform it through, you know, strategy, competitiveness, and really developing organizations that would grow with them as they took their vision to the next level. And that's, that's really how I made that transition was to understand that I love, I love all my friends and, and corporations everywhere. I just think it just wasn't going to be my path. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, f- finding that, finding that, knowing, knowing when you found that path, I think is an, an important, uh, an important thing. How, how did you know? I mean, I, you know, you said like one day you realized like, I, I don't, I don't want to continue climbing the corporate ladder, but like, what, what was it? Like, how did you decide? Like, well, here's, I see the marker and I know where to go. Well, it was two things happened. One is I was working for an amazing company and literally, you know, I had been in restaurants my whole life, but this was not a restaurant company. It was a financial services company. And every day, everyone went home at about five o'clock. And I was still there thinking, man, this is just like having a half a day. And because I was like, what what am I supposed to do the other half of my day here? You know? And so I was like, this this is just not feel right. And and then the second thing happened was a consulting company came in to look at, you know, everyone's profiles in the company to try to put together teams and do a reorg. And the consultants actually said, you know, we want to meet with you, Kathleen. And I was like, sure. And they're like, Kathleen, look, you need to understand. We have this whole diagram of the company, and there's a small collection of people that, you know, are in a, 
you know, on a different spot of our matrix. You know, can you figure out where you are? I'm like, well, the fact that I'm here says I'm in a different spot. Right. And they're like, yeah, you, you are in a different spot. I'm like, I hope that wins me a prize or something. Right. And they're like, well, no, but we just wanted to kind of point out to you that culturally, you know, your attributes are of collaboration, team building, results oriented, you know, all of these great attributes. And where the business currently is, you're just a small population, you're in a small population of people who believe that that's healthy for a business. Mm. I'm like, well, because it is healthy for a business. And they're like, right, but this company is not ready for you. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. And then we started to have this conversation and they're like, well, did you ever feel like you were an outsider in some of these other companies? <laughs> a little bit. And they're like, because you just, you're, you're an entrepreneur, but the world's not ready for entrepreneurs yet, Kathleen. I'm like, totally get it. <laughs> so I think part of it was my own awareness that, you know, I was different, but also then having it validated by the consulting firm, you know, truly kind of sent the message that, you know, there were, there were alternative paths for me to pursue. Yeah. So tell um, tell the tell the the listening audience some of the brands you've worked for. I what I I want I want to talk a little bit about the restaurant industry specifically, but tell about some of the brands you work for because I, I'm just I'm always I love the list thing. <laughs> it's just interesting to me. So, so tell everybody else. So so when I first started as a consultant, so go back twenty years ago, I had the amazing opportunity to work with companies like Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, which, you know, only had two locations at the time. And Todd Graves was the founder that still is today. And today, Cane's is way on its way to exceed a billion dollars. Yeah. You know, I had the opportunity to work with Dave Anderson over at Famous Dave's when they had just a handful of restaurants. Yeah. Or the opportunity to work with um, Bill Allen at Fleming's when there was only one Fleming Steakhouse. And Rick Puerto Rico when there were only four P.F. Chang's. So, uh, early portfolio of clients all ended up doing extraordinarily well. And that really helped, you know, my, you know, my portfolio, my credibility, but also my effectiveness in my role. Sure. So as, as the business was evolving, so was my consulting practice. Yeah. And so over a period of time, you know, I started to get requests from non-restaurant groups. So I did a lot with um, Interim Healthcare, which is a franchise um, home health care company. I did things with manufacturing companies like Bama Food Service, which is an amazing global manufacturing organization. So I had this opportunity to start, you know, moving into other verticals within, you know, within business. And, you know, it's really interesting because people are like, well, those brands are, you know, they're, they're going into their prime right now. I'm like, right, because I worked with them when I was smaller. Now if you look at my portfolio today, there's some amazing concepts in there that, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, people will be like, oh my gosh, those are, look at those companies changing the world. And, and I think that that's the, that's the beauty of where I am today is that ability to work with the, you know, the startup companies all the way to the very well-established companies. Because inherently, everybody wants to grow successfully, productively, and profitably. And, uh, and those are the kind of companies and founders and, and executives that I'm, you know, that I'm kind of most attracted to. Yeah. So, um, one of the things you said about some of the brands that you worked with is seeing them. And, and these are some of the brands that are changing the world. And, and we talked about, we've talked about this in the past, just my, um, introduction to the restaurant industry. One of the things that really blew me away, um, thinking about 
restaurant chain concepts as I thought of them as a commuter, right? I drive down the highway. I see all these uh, restaurants on the side of the road. I recognize the brands. I see the commercials on television. Um, I didn't know the inner workings of those, of those brands. And then, you know, I talk to somebody like you who says, wow, the, you know, these are some brands that are really changing the world. Like, talk a little bit about what's going on inside those companies. You know, how does, how does a restaurant change the world? How does one, how is one much different than the other? Because there are real differences here. And I just don't think that people know about what's going on inside these, at the executive levels of these, of these organizations. Right. Well, you know, I think that just to put some context to it, right, is first, I think people really don't understand that the restaurant industry is going to probably do $700 billion in sales this year. So it's the second largest industry in the United States after the government, right? You know, two out of five adults find their first job in the restaurant industry. And the restaurant industry employs almost 14 million people in a million restaurants around the, just the United States. So we aren't even talking about the global influence, right? Wow. So I think the first thing is a lot of people don't quite understand the, the size and the scope of it. So it always cracks me up when they say, Oh, you poor thing, you're never going to have a career that, you know, you can't really go very far in the restaurant industry. I think I'm doing okay, but thanks so much for your thoughts and kind words. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, but what I really start to think about is if you, if you start to think about that most people's first jobs are in the restaurant industry, if I look at a company like Raising Cane's who invests so much time, effort, care, into taking that young person and giving them a great first job experience and really enveloping them into the culture of Cane, which is really about, you know, dignity, respect, and caring, and, and giving that that crew member that experience. You know, it's, it's magical from that perspective. And it's not to say that every experience is going to be perfect, but there's a company that's dedicated to trying to get, that's dedicated to really <laughs> doing everything possible to ensure culturally that what they're saying their experience is going to be is the reality of what their experience is best. And when you start to think about a company like Keynes, where people have worked there, you know, 10, 15, you know, 16 years, mm-hmm. that's an amazing accomplishment in an industry where, you know, the average turnover rate is about 200%. So, you know, so one of the things that I really respect about the industry is that the good, the great executives, and the great leaders are understanding the value of that employee. And they're not taking that employee for granted. They're investing in them. They're caring about them. They're creating an environment for them to be successful personally and professionally. And to me, that gets very lost in the rhetoric of, you know, what people perceive or what people think they know about the restaurant industry. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I, I It's... Um, uh, that, that was one of my introductions to the restaurant industry and, and learning about just how that, how, how culture and, and, and really, I, I think that the, the concepts that are so popular that are growing at such a clip, those are the concepts where the culture is strong, where the, the leadership is very focused and I mean, focused on, on the, the quality of the product for sure, but focused on the people in the business. You know, those to me seem like the concepts that are, that are growing and, and where you see the vibrancy in the restaurant market. Is that, is that how you see it? 
I totally see it. I, you know, the interesting thing about it, Jason, is I see that in the restaurant industry. I see that in healthcare. I, you know, if you show me a great business, you know, that's being successful, and if we peel it back, we will find at the core that their culture actually is contributing in the, rea- in the reality that it's being presented. And, you know, I think Tom Peter said it one time, that culture eats strategy all day. Yeah. And, you know, because I still come back to the idea that you can still have a great strategy, but if you have that culture that just is not, you know, and you, you do a lot of that work there with your cultural DNA. Right. You know, if that culture's not right, you know, it doesn't matter what your strategy is. Yeah, that's it's 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 very it's very powerful. So so I, I want to come back to culture in just a second. Um, and I want to get back to uh, Susie Swirl for a minute. So so you um, you grew up in the restaurant industry. Uh, you know, you you went out on your own. You've consulted with some some great firms. Uh, you've started this uh, family company, Susie Swirl. So. Um, tell us what kind of like a day in the life is, right? I mean, Susie Swirl's a relatively new company and you've got family members in it. So what's a day in the life look like? You know, um, that's such a good question. So a day in a life is definitely what we would call, uh, you know, you have to know your inner, you know, your inner Susie because the day is definitely going to swirl, right? (laughs) So, um, so a few of the things that we have worked very hard on and very, and we continue to work very hard on every day, both for ourselves as family members, but also for our team members and our leaders in our company, is we do a lot of work on clarity and communication. Uh, because our days, are, you know, um, our days kind of vary. So we can have a day where, you know, it's a pretty predictable day because it's a beautiful day out, the weather's perfect, we, we kind of know the pattern of when all of our customers are going to arrive, or we can have something, you know, because we're in northern Illinois, something like just last week where Tuesday we have an ice storm, so we're shutting down early, Wednesday it's warming up, and then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday we're busy in the store, but we're also catering 3,000 people at the same time at mm-hmm. two different events. So part of it is, is, you know, our investment in not only ourselves, but our team. And it really does, it does evolve around our vision of igniting the American dream through innovation, great relationships, and what we call frozen happiness. But it's also staying true to our mission, you know, not forgetting, you know, not getting so caught up in the swirl of everything that we forget at the end of the day. Look, what we're serving is a delicious, craveable cup of yogurt, sorbetto, and gelato. So, you know, nothing can ever be so earth-shattering that we forget that we're still in the business of frozen happiness. (laughs) So so we try to regulate our days through great planning, through proactive planning, through consistent communication, through, you know, really uh, having our leadership team and our crew members take a very active role in the business. And, you know, all the way from a decision-making perspective, down to the execution perspective, because without them, you know, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing either. So it's, uh, it's there, I would say every day at Susie's is a very full day, um, either in what we're doing or preparing for what we'll be doing next. So let's bring culture back around to this. Um, what is, what is your, what is your goal with, with, um, Susie Swirl and culture, right? Do you are you trying to build something unique? Or are you trying to take that culture out to the to the you know general population, your customers? Like, how does culture fit 
this business that you have that you have right now? Right. So I think the first and foremost is that, you know, our culture really revolves around our mission. And our mission is this world goodness with great quality, craveable products that are good and good for you. This world greatness with our crew members and the experience and the personal professional development that they receive while they're with us at Susie's. And then just world gratitude. Uh, for the customers and the communities that support us and also through programs we have like Cups with a Cause. And these are amazing programs that we put together to raise funds for other organizations or nonprofits or schools or teams that are looking to do, you know, good in the world mm-hmm. by, you know, swirling frozen happiness. So at the core of our culture really is our mission. And, and then it's our responsibility as leaders to ensure that we stay in the discipline of staying in the lanes of our mission. So when we look to it from a, a much, like, if you switched it out five years, you know, we would say that the number one thing that we want to be able to do is have a business where we really have stayed true to our philosophy that we make the first job the right job for everyone who's ever worked for us so that when you look at the alumni of Susie Swirl, that they can honestly say that, you know, that their job at Susie Swirl helps set a foundation for their success personally and professionally. Yeah. And that may not be true for everyone, but we want it for the majority. You know, the second is we want to really use Susie Swirl as a model to inspire entrepreneurship. So we want to inspire, you know, uh, you know through some of our more uh, progressive ideas that we have for growth. We want to be able to create accessibility for others, whether they're young people or people career changing or it doesn't matter, but to really give them the opportunity to be inspired to either take, you know, follow their American dream with a Susie's line or to follow their American dream because of Susie. And then I think the third one really comes from a vision that Sue and I share. You know, when we started Susie's, my vision was I did want to you know, really build a great business model for my family and to inspire others. For Sue, she was literally coming off um, an unexpected loss of her husband, leaving her with four children and her first grandson on the way. Mm. And she wanted to, you know, inspire her children to show them after profound loss, you could build a profound life. Mm-hmm. And it was in that combination of both of us, you know, wanting to do well by the family, but also to do well for others, that that's part of our swirling gratitude is that we want to be one of those role model businesses that, you know, just not one restaurant in the community, but really is the community's restaurant, you know, for the good days, the bad days, and all the days in between. Oh, that's really powerful. Um, did... Did you know that the business was going to be about uh, yogurt and sorbetto and gelato, or did you have the mission first and then say, "Gosh, you know, let's let's make frozen dessert"? Like, what did, did they happen at the same time? Did you guys make that as a family? You know, because the, the mission is so powerful, right? How do you, how do you connect that mission with with you know uh, with gelato? Yeah, it all came together. So we knew that the business that we were going to go into was going to be frozen desserts. We knew that right from the get-go. You know, my personal belief is you have to have a mission across the 16-year-old club, not like 16-year-old, you know, bourbons, but 
more like a kind of six-year-old crusade, understand yeah. what you're trying to do. Right. And uh, so we wanted to create a, and this is where, you know, literally Sue, you like Jen, and Sue's other daughter, Julie, you know, and I would, we would sit there thinking, okay, how can, and Julie at the time was like 14, so it was like, how do we, how do we bring to life how do we articulate what we want to do yeah. in a way that someone's going to understand and be able to connect to? Because we didn't want young people coming in going, okay, yeah, just slap your, you know, so better into the top and, you know, keep how out you go. Right. You know, we, we wanted them to understand that they, that this is a very unique opportunity for them to be a part of something that later in their life they would be able to tell you know, to be able to share their experiences to make business better or to make their community better because they learned sound business practices while they were with us. And so I, I would say that it probably all came together at the same time because I remember we were doing those first training sessions and we had it on a flip chart and we would kept, you know, kind of fixing it as we're going and like, okay, does everybody get this now? And they're like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Okay, perfect. I was like, okay, really good at boom, boom. So, um, definitely collaborative effort, and a lot of young teenagers and doing like that. Oh, that's that's great. All right, so so you have this mission. You you know you have the business. Yes. You have the mission. Um, how many employees do you have? And and what is your, you know, what are you looking for when you're looking for employees? So that's um, our employee base kind of scales up. As the as the model weather to Chicago comes with us, so we can get up to twenty employees um, and twenty five employees with without a lot of problems between March and April. Mm-hmm. Um, going from a base of probably ten, okay. that we're very clear about who we're looking for, though, and uh, and it doesn't matter what role they're coming in at. But what we are looking for when we're looking at a high school kind of a young person, um, we are looking for someone who is very actively involved in either sports or clubs or their church or their community or volunteering or, you know, whatever activity, but the band, but we want a very actively involved young person to apply at Susie Swirl. And the reason why is because we can teach them how to swirl. That's not, no, no problem with that. We have a great orientation training system and evaluation and feedback program. So we, we have all the mechanisms in place to help them develop. Mm-hmm. However, what we can teach them is the idea of, you know, how to get, how to get engaged, how to get excited, how to get, you know, how to learn how to balance a lot of things. We'll still teach them how to balance all their very full lives with work, but a person that's a young person who's actively involved then they know how to work with other people. They know how to win and lose. They know, you know, what it takes to juggle. They know that they're making certain sacrifices here to get greater gains here, you know, and they tend to be a bit more gregarious. Hmm. And, you know, and that brings an energy and a spirit because the existence of our business is really based on, you know, the team coming together as one. So we look for individuals like that. We also look for individuals who, you know, have had a lot of experiences in their life. You know, sometimes they've moved a lot, so they understand how to adjust and adapt. So that's another great person that fits into Susie Swirl world. And, you know, it's kind of those individuals that we're looking for. We're not as, um, what somebody would say, you know, but don't, don't you want to make sure that they had a job and they know how to sweep and they know how to mop? And 
Well, we gave up on that a long time ago because, mm-hmm. again, we can teach someone how to sweep and we can teach someone how to mop, but it is far easier when they come, when a young person come in and be able to talk to their fellow team member, you know, and have a, you know, have fun and work hard at the same time. Yeah. Is that what you were like as a high school kid? Lots of, uh, oh my lots, of, lots of, lots of activity, lots of jobs. Yeah. I think I had to be probably about the most hyperactive child in my whole high school because by my senior year, I was going to high school, you know, half of the day. And then I was an assistant manager at McDonald's the other half of the day. So I literally would leave up the gym class, you know, get all fixed up in my McDonald's uniform and head off to McDonald's for my shift. So yeah. I've got to believe I was probably one of the most hyperactive people in my high school. And but I, I do think that the restaurant industry, you know, uh, it attracts people like that too, because it really allows you to be yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the industry, you know, has been very, you know, is changing and is changing more. And where the other industries are, where it's, you know, I have to find this person with this particular background, with this particular, you know, there's not that many people that fit through the eye of that needle anymore. So be open-minded to it. And, and I'd rather, you know, ask everybody how to sweep a floor. You know, if, if they've got a positive, productive, you know, kind of attitude about it. Yeah. I, you know, I've, for some reason over the last couple of months, I've met a lot of people who all started their jobs at McDonald's, all started their careers at McDonald's. Yeah. It is, um, it's number one, it's pretty amazing how many people actually started their working career at a McDonald's. Um, and, and every single one of them talks about the, the quality of that job in, uh, in one way or another, right? Some, some people liked it, some people didn't, but, but everybody agreed that the, that the, um, experience they got at a McDonald's really helped them in their career, really helped them move forward. You know, Jason, I think there's a statistic, don't, uh, this might not be fact-based, but there is a statistic out there that if two out of five adults started their first job in the restaurant industry, I think the statistic is like one out of 14 first job was at a McDonald's. Wow. You know, and, and when you think about it, again, there's a company that, you know, really is trying to, you know, it's got so many great internal you know, uh, internal structures and systems to support, you know, their employees and their managers. Mm-hmm. And it's not talked about as much as other things that they do. But how do you have all these people work at a McDonald's and really, you know, the vast majority of them still have positive things to say, no matter how many years ago they worked there. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty strong, you know, statement for that company. Very much so. And it, it, uh, I, I want to ask a question about keeping your employees engaged. And I think this is a, a great opportunity to do that because clearly if, if you're still happy or you still have positive feelings or thoughts about, you know, a job at McDonald's, which could have been years ago, there's, there's a level of engagement there that they were able to achieve. So, you know, how do you think about engagement? I don't, I don't think the engagement statistics in the restaurant industry are particularly good. So how do you achieve, accomplish you know, what the level of engagement you want in, in your business and right. others do that too? So I actually believe that the number one strategy for engagement is investing time. You, you know, there's just, you know, we get so busy doing so many things and we suddenly forget that, that, you know, this person made a choice to come to work today. This person made a choice to come support, 
you know, my dream, right, or our dream, or our or our company, right? And I think that one of the things that I have really learned is that, you know, we need to spend time, you know, sitting down and just having a conversation about how things are going, what they want to, you know, what people want to work on, what they're frustrated by, what, what areas do we need to improve upon, and creating you know, everything that we all want, engagement, inclusion, collaboration, but it requires a authentic investment in time. And so when I think about where the, your business is going, you know, business is moving so fast. And one of the things that I think is being sacrificed in that is the time that we can invest getting to know people, you know, getting to understand people and getting to figure out what makes a person tick so that we could provide them with the opportunities for, for, for growth, development, and retention. And, you know, everyone always says, what's the hardest thing to do, you know, is to, to find the time. <laughs> but what will you do when they're not there? Because then we really be out of time. So there was a, there was a challenge put out one time that said, you know, can you find, take a few people and see if you can spend one hour a month with them uninterrupted. It's one-on-one, one hour a month. And you know what? That, that is, to me, a gold standard because that is not always an easy thing to find. You know, if you have six people reporting to you, you know, you think about it, how college could six hours be, but then you really, you go to try it. And you're like, until I make this a priority, it won't be a priority. But that one hour means so much to the other person. And then at the same time, during the conversation, you find ways to keep people engaged. You know, we find what our what our leaders are looking for in conversations with them. Just sitting down and talking about, you know, where are you? You know, we, we just finished our um, development program where we asked them to sister cast one year out. Where do you want to be? What do you need to get yourself there? Mm. How can we support you in that? And then we sit down and we have a discussion about that and write a plan that helps us help them and then help, you know, us overall, right? But it's got to be, you know, it, I, just, I can't even say it enough. It's really about a time. You know, you can throw all the money you want at it, and that's going to help superficially, but time is really what's going to make the big, is the big game changer. I like uh, a couple of things I like about your answer. And one is it's really specific, um, some specific action items that listeners can, can take, right? Am I, am I spending that hour a month with the people that I need to spend? And, um, where do you want to be in a year? You know, I think people turn their nose up at a cliched interview question about, you know, what's, what's your five-year plan? Where do you see yourself in five, you know, (laughs) five years, but you know, in like a year, uh, what do you, what do you want? And then maybe a little more of attainable of a timeframe. And then how do I help you get there? Um, You know, you also said something that I want to go back to just a minute, because I I, I love your answer about engagement. You mentioned, um, Susie Swirl Alumni Network. And to me, that's incredibly enlightened to think about uh, alumni of your business. Most people don't want to talk about the fact that they wouldn't work somewhere forever, but the reality is you're not going to work somewhere forever, right? And so you want to create an environment where you created this amazing alumni network. Um, Do do you talk to your employees about that, you know, in terms of engagement and and career path and the fact that you'll be an alumni someday, you know, do you, do you talk to employees about those things? Yes, because 
for two things. One is, you know, Facebook is awesome. So yeah. many of the CZ12 alumni, you know, we're Facebook friends with. Um, yeah. And so as they're progressing through their careers, if they need a less strength letter, they need a letter for a scholarship they're going after, they want, you know, they need something, you know, that they that helps them, you know, kind of chart a better career platform. We always leave ourselves available for that because, you know, for us, we couldn't we couldn't be where we are today without them. So we're very open to continuing to support the alumni even after they're gone, right? Yeah. And uh, on the on the team that works with us today, part of the reason why we want to know where we want to be a year from now is because it also helps us with succession planning, mm-hmm. right? So we by asking them that question, you know, we're helping them to think a little bit more less of today and a little bit more future state too. But the other part of that is. You know, if they're really at this stage of their life where they want to make that transition, we want to be working with them with that transition. You know, we don't want it to be like creating more stress in their life because they don't know how to tell us, you know, like, I think I'm going to leave. Right. And I think that, you know, when I hit this stage, you know, if we can work together, you know, it becomes a lot less stressful for all of us. It takes a little guessing out of it. But one of the other things we're trying to teach, you know, at TV is, to teach people how to have a voice in their own career. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you think about some of these things that have kind of plagued business, you know, part of the biggest reason why business got plagued with some of these very poor behaviors is because people didn't believe they had a voice. So if we can teach people when they're young how to have a voice in not only their development, but in their negotiation for their, you know, uh, wage increase for what they need to be successful. Well, based on that voice in a safer environment, they'll have a stronger voice as they continue in their journey. Did you have a mentor in your career? Um, <laughs> yeah, these are amazing things you're talking about. I know you're smart and you can arrive at these conclusions yourself for sure, but did you have <laughs> yeah, someone who yeah. helped you develop these, these uh, you know, thoughts and, and the sort of drive that you have? You know, uh, I'd say that I had one mentor who was, I had two mentors actually that were truly game changers for me. And one was very early in my career, and his name was George Demetrius. And he was a wonderful man. And, and George was supposed to travel with me and help me understand how to be a more productive leader, you know, in the environment that we were working in because. You know, I had a tendency to be pretty intense coming out of operations. So it's like, Kathleen, look, you got to figure this out because you can scare everybody with your intensity. So, you know, when you let the guard down, you're kind of a funny person. So can you somehow figure out how to blend being so intense with also being funny? Because you want everyone to respect you, but, they, you know, they're only going to follow you if they like you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm intense? You know, and he's like, oh, that's very funny. That was great insight, and it took a lot of courage for him to tell me that, and I was forever grateful to him. Now, um, another person was a, a very dear friend, Christy Wood, who, you know, always had this idea that we should all aspire higher, and her message was, you know, don't bring a quarter of yourself or half of yourself, bring your whole self. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I'm like, well, Christy, don't bring a whole self. And, you know, it could be a lot for people. She's like, then you'll go find a crowd where it won't be a lot for people. But you can't shortchange your mission in life, your purpose in life, by not bringing your whole self to every place you go. 
And I think when you get that permission to be who you want to be, you know, it allows you to kind of think, you know, not necessarily always to the norm, but uh, more to how do we make it better. And obviously, working 20 years with amazing founders and seeing those practices and helping to develop those practices formed a lot of my thinking at Susie Squirrel. And in all honesty, my sister Sue is an amazing mentor because she brings a really practical reality to my business each and every day, which I think, you know, makes us successful, you know, between her practical approach, her amazing faith in everything we do, and, you know, my drive and the country around it, the combination of both of us really ends up being a great equation for success. Yeah. Those are those are two, uh, three three great stories of of mentorship and goes back to back to family, right? So even yep. even with family, you find you find a mentor relationship in in a sibling, right? And I could I'm sure you could tell many stories of 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 you know when you were young arguing with your siblings, but but then you know being <laughs> adult, that person was a mentor too is 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 really important. Yep. Really neat. Um, Absolutely. So, so what I'd like to, I'd like to, um, I'd like to talk to you for the rest of the afternoon. However, uh, we do have a time limit. So I, I think, you know, what I'd like to do is kind of wrap, wrap things up with, uh, the advice that you would give to people starting their career. What is that advice? Yeah, that's a great one. I think the advice I would give to people is to invest the time to, to really figure out what they're passionate about. You know, I look at young people today, and they're under so much pressure. They're under pressure to find a career, to find a great school, to find a great job after they finish their school. You know, it's a lot of pressure, and they, there's not a lot of time in there. If you think about it, it's so compressed these days that there's not a lot of time in there to really breathe and go, well, wait a minute, I think I really love this. You know, so I think the first thing is, is to find, you know, invest some time to really, you know, try everything, but really be on that journey to find your passion. You know, the second part about that is find people that support you in your process of that discovery. You know, because I, I really think that there's so many, there's so much, again, this pressure and these norms, these generational norms that are out there, that if you try to color outside the lines, you know, it's still a still bit taboo. And, you know, and we're losing great, you know, creative people, great people that could change the world because the pressure when they're young is really to get in that line, get in that box and, you know, stay the course. So, you know, find the passion, find the support. And then the third thing I would definitely say is don't discount what you love. Because not because everyone doesn't agree with you, mm-hmm. you know, do what you love because you were supposed to live a life of joy and not of pain and struggle. You know, that will come as part of our life's journey. But when we're doing what we love, there's more love and less of pain and struggle as we go. Well, that's great advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thanks for spending the time today to talk about this. I appreciate it. And I know you've got a rare, sunny, relatively warm day in uh, wintry (laughs) Chicago. So I want to let you get back to enjoy some of that. Kathleen, thank you so much for the time today. And uh, 
I look forward to seeing you and talking with you again. Well, Jason, thank you so much. And thanks for everything that you are doing and Outmatch is doing to help, you know, bring people to the right cultures and the right places to do great things too. So I really appreciate all that you all do. And uh, thank you so much for the time today as well. Great. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Talent Playbook Podcast with our guest Kathleen Wood, founder and CEO of Suzy Swirl and Kathleen Wood Partners. If you'd like to learn more about Kathleen, you can start at LinkedIn for her professional profile. You can see her website at kwoodpartners.com. Check her out on Twitter at kwoodpartners. And also check out suzyswirl.com, S-U-Z-Y-S-S-W-I-R-L.com. You can subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Libsyn, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and at Outmatch.com. Thanks to Kathleen for her time. I'd also like to thank Joni Doolin for introducing me to Kathleen. It's been really great getting to know Kathleen, and we had a lot of fun on this podcast. Thanks also to Charles Summers and Chris Gardner at Outmatch for the technical assistance and our theme music composed by Chris Gardner. Until next time, this is Jason Ferrara saying thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.